Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Brothers Creed Podcast. We're talking about motivation, experiences, and exploring the world around us. Uh, we're the Thomas Brothers, and I'm Jared. I'm Ethan, and today this is part two of our in-depth review of the Bill of Rights. And in the first part, we uh, went through and we we walked through the first thirteen amendments, the original ten that were part of the Bill of Rights, and then uh, kind of the additional three to about the halfway point. So today we're going to be going through Amendment number 14 to the end, which is 27. Uh, so let's let's get into it. A lot of these are really interesting, and, and it just kind of is building up in this history and kind of the development of the United States throughout the, the 1800s. Yeah, it's uh, going to be good. Let's go ahead and dive in and do it. Spartan! What is your profession? Any man who must say I am the king is no true king. What I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills that make me a nightmare. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world, a decent world. All right, so Jared just went through the 13th Amendment, which specifically was talking around the emancipation and freeing of slaves in the United States, um, which you know we had talked about was a huge milestone and uh, an amazing thing for the, the country and obviously for those slaves that were in captivity at the time. Um, and so... It, it, it set that freedom for ens, enslaved people at that time, uh, mostly were, were African-American slaves. Um, but they're still, they had freedom, but there was still doubt as to almost their place in, um, in society. And so the 14th Amendment actually defines what it means to be a U.S. citizen, and then it also protects civil rights. So the 14th Amendment um, really, uh, it, it, it expounds and it uh, grows and, 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 and builds upon what the 13th Amendment doesn't go far enough to do. Um, so I just want to read a couple things. So the first part, there's like five or six sections of this amendment, but the first part is kind of the most important part. It talks about what it means to be a U.S. citizen. And so it says all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall uh, abridge the privileges or immunities or deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process and law, uh, a process of law. So this included free slaves. And so this is something that, that set the precedence of anyone born or naturalized in the United States is a U.S. citizen and 
they have equal protection and availability to due process. Um, so that kind of brought the level. No, that that didn't make. I guess it didn't make it equal within society, obviously, as we know, because there was still some massive injustices and everything else that honestly are still trying to get worked out today. Um, But this was a huge step in saying that all those free slaves that were freed with the emancipation, they are American citizens and they will be protected as such. Their life, their liberty or property will shall not be deprived um which i thought was really interesting so just kind of as a conclusion or a summary of the the 14th amendment is broken into five sections and this is defining citizenship rights which we talked about the appointment of representatives uh, by state uh, denying public office to those who uh, have participated in insurrection and invalidating Confederate debt, and then giving Congress the power to enforce the amendment. So, talk, talk about that one, the insurrection one, the people yep, that were involved yep. in insurrection, because we talked about that in one episode. Remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, the, the pardon the pardon the presidential pardons episode. The presidential pardons one. So that's section three. It says, "No person shall be a senator, representative in Congress, president." or vice president, or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or any state if they if they have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same. So if you have uh, been convicted of insurrection or rebellion against the United States, or if you have given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof, so if you've given aid or comfort to the enemies of the United States, then you cannot hold any office within the United States, senator, representative, president, vice president, any military or civil office. Now, this was a huge issue after the Civil War because— In the South, because basically who are you going to elect? Any, anyone from the South was considered a traitor and a, a, an insurrectionist. Yeah. And so they could not hold any sort of office. That's why um, they were getting pardoned by certain presidents because they yep. said, hey, we, we have to come together as a country. We can't just abandon. That's why that one, the presidential pardon, is a, was meant for cases like this where you can pardon people in mass mm-hmm. uh, so that the country can move forward and heal. Uh, and that's yeah. one of the ways that it was used. And so um, that, that, that one was, was really interesting. And then it kind of goes on to that. It talks about how the United States shall not assume or pay any debt or obligation uh, that was incurred at, at, in the aid of an insurrection or rebellion. And so that's kind of saying that uh, all of the, the debt that the um, Confederates had, that the, we're not going to pay for that. Ha- yeah. That the Confederates had the, the U S government was like, okay, well the, the, the Confederate States of America no longer exists, and we were not assuming their debt. We're not assuming the debt of the, those who rebelled. Yeah, um, which I kind of thought was was interesting. I'd never really heard that that in there. So that's the fifth or the Fourteenth Amendment. Yeah, the Fourteenth Amendment is also a big one that's been recently debated highly in the news because it has to do with what makes a citizen. So yep. you get a lot of people crossing the border. Uh, you know, back then maybe it was more about like, you know, 
saying you know people who used to be slaves are now citizens and things like that if you're born in this country. But now it's a different argument where you get uh, a lot of people pouring over the borders just to have children in the United States so they can have a foot in the United States. Um, that's what's referred to as an anchor baby, uh, where someone will come across the border, have their child in the United States, and now they're anchored to the United States because that child, child is now child a U.S. Is citizen. A natural, yeah, natural U.S. citizen. And that comes with a lot of, I mean, that's like a U.S. passport is the most coveted, you know, one of the most coveted things that there is. And so uh, yeah. that is a big issue. And people were saying, oh, you know, someone's going to cancel the 14th Amendment or uh, re- revamp it. Uh so there's 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 definitely been a lot of argument about that. Yeah. The next one is the Fifteenth Amendment, which has to do with voting rights. It kind of again it goes more uh, into the rights of African Americans, uh, specifically African American men. Uh, and this was in 1870. So uh, the, a lot of these are just in rapid succession. Uh, the last one was in 1868, and this one's in 1870. Now. It says, this is what it says. It says, Section 1, the right of citizens of the United States of America, United States of America to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. Section 2, the Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. Now, this uh, sounds great. But in some states, uh, specifically the southern states that were just barely previously Confederate states, uh, the, it wasn't exactly implemented as, as they had hoped. Uh, there was definitely some things, some shenanigans going on where they would have these literacy tests uh, where you had to pass a literacy test to vote or you had, or there was something called grandfather. They would say your grandfather clauses where you were excluded from uh, voting if your ancestors hadn't voted in the 1860 election which was prior to the amendment itself. So yep. there was the, they would use these exclusionary tactics to kind of weed out African-American votes anyway. Uh, and that continued uh, for many, many years uh, uh, until uh, the 1960s. There was some uh, certain, uh, the Voting Act rights of 1965 really wiped out most of all that. Uh, but... Uh, you know that that did exist. So the Fifteenth Amendment, although it sounds great, uh, in some cases it was not actually, uh, you know, gospel as you would think. Uh, it wasn't taken to heart. So uh, unfortunately, that is the case with that one. Yeah. So, um, and and we're actually going to talk a little bit more about uh, voting rights as well in one of the uh, the other ones. Uh, that, that's coming up. So the, the 16th Amendment's the next one, and this one has to deal with taxes. This one states that the that Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived. And so this basically gives the Congress the power to collect income tax. Um, and pretty straightforward, uh, before that time, this was uh, ratified in 1913, the 16th Amendment. Before that time, there wasn't specific um, income tax. But now, since this time, any uh, increase uh, on uh, through incomes from whatever source is taxed by the government. 
Now that percentage That's the worst of tax, one. they should have never done that one. <laughs> yeah, the the percentage of tax is uh, that that I don't know can go up and down for sure by depending on who's uh, who's in office at the time. But uh, yeah, so I'm wondering yeah, why def- people. So I'm wondering why people say like the income tax is unconstitutional. Well, maybe. Maybe well, from the original Constitution, maybe they're arguing that the amendment is unconstitutional itself. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Interesting. So, the Seventeenth uh, Amendment is not very exciting. Um, <laughs> I will admit, uh, when the United States Constitution was originally drafted, the Senate was designed to be a counterbalance to the influence of popular opinion, while the White House was to be elected directly by the people and the representatives would serve two-year terms. The Senate was to be chosen two in each state by the legislature for six-year terms. The idea was for the Senate to be above the fray, as they say, uh, and capable of more detached uh, considerations of issues. Uh, in practice, the selection of senators became influenced by businesses, business interests and political machines. So the progressive movement opposed this system and proposed to replace it with a direct election by the people. Uh, Congress passed an amendment to this effect in 1912, and in 1913 it was ratified as the 17th Amendment. So uh, that is essentially what it is. is instead of having the, uh, those uh, folks elected by the legislature, uh, they were... It's the, the folks in the Senate elected by the legislature, now they were elected by the people uh, because it was becoming corrupt uh, with uh, special interest groups. That doesn't happen today. Oh, of course not. Of course uh, not. So, um, so, so, yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I, there's the, there's, I, I don't want to read through the whole lengthy thing, but that's just the gist of it. So the 18th Amendment is... Um, <clears throat> this was a, a, kind of a, a, a biggie and, and really... Interesting. So the 18th Amendment made the production, transport, and sale of alcohol illegal. Prohibition. So this one was the uh, prohibition. And the interesting thing, what I, what I didn't know, it says, is this whole thing, the 18th Amendment was enacted, the, the prohibition of the manufacture and sell selling of alcohol beginning one year after the ratification of the amendment. So basically they gave everybody in the United States. Um, it was a 1917. Uh, no, excuse, yeah. 1917. It was uh, right at the end of world war one. Uh, yep. And uh, basically they told everybody that the, the, the actual amendment reads after one year from the ratification of this article, the manufacture, sale, or transport of intoxicating liquors for beverage purposes is hereby prohibited. Mm-hmm. And um, I just thought it was interesting that they gave everybody a year. Yeah. So I wonder how many people like <laughs> were drinking like crazy up there, or even <laughs> like the night before prohibition started. I mean, they knew the exact date of when it was going to become illegal. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of interesting because prohibition really history notes that it, it largely backfired. I mean, yeah. I don't know really if there was that much good that came out of prohibition. I mean, it, 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 it basically funded uh, some of the, the criminal underworld to a mm-hmm. certain extent when 
maybe drugs weren't as rampant at the time period. It was all uh, bootlegging and and uh, uh, you know speakeasies and and hiding alcohol from the government. Yeah. So, well, can you talk about the reasonings why they did it? Well, I, I didn't get into that too much. Um, I, I'm not exactly sure why they they got into uh, prohibition. Um, you know, I, I think I know that it was kind of right after. Um, that's uh, so. From what I understand, is like there was like this movement that's called the temperance movement, which basically said that like that banning sales of alcohol would uh, would solve the problems of poverty and other social issues like domestic abuse, uh, drunkenness, all these kinds of social issues. It was going to solve that problem. Then that alcohol is an evil thing, and that by prohibiting it, everybody would just be like, yay, we're happy now uh, because we're no longer sinning, and they would just uh, not do that anymore. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, is that the, the country was going through such change at this time. I mean, this is kind of like the tail end of the 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 Industrial Revolution and technology. And I mean, the country was just growing like crazy. And and you had the, the next generation of people were were kind of the, the economy itself was potentially booming uh, after the war. And so there was just a whole lot going on. And I guess they felt that, um, that restricting alcohol would help the country to, to grow. And I, whether it did or not, I, I don't know, but, uh, the prohibition was in effect for 13 years, um, until, you know, I'm sure Jared, you'll get to the, to the point of mm-hmm. where it was, uh, repealed. That, so that's the, that is the 18th amendment. Yeah. One, one of the things I liked about the temperance movement is that there was this quote from Francis E. Willard. She said, temperance is, Moderation in things that are good and total abstinence from things that are foul. So uh, basically, you know, drinking leads to neglect and moral degradation and crime and these kind of things. These are the, these are the foul things that alcohol leads to. Uh, and so you must be tempered in all things. Um, Which and so, in some cases, that's probably true. Yeah. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, so. Let's talk about the next one uh, here, which is the 19th Amendment. This one is a big, powerful one that women have fought for for a long time. This is the women's right to vote, 1920. Uh, This one was a long time coming. Uh, Also, think about this. 50 years after the 15th Amendment, which which granted slaves the right to vote, women were allowed to vote. 50 years. Yeah. from the 15th Amendment to the 19th Amendment. So this, if if you remember, uh, this whole movement was called the suffrage movement, the women's suffrage, uh, which suffrage means the right to vote. Uh, so Susan B. Anthony, who we've who spoken about prior on a presidential pardons episode, uh, she, was a, she was a big opponent um, of women's rights. She was a, a suffrage movement, but she was actually opposed to the 15th Amendment which granted slaves the right to vote only because it did not include women uh, and she wanted women hmm. to be included. So in 1878, a Susan B. Anthony put forth a proposed amendment to extend the right to vote 
to women to vote. Uh, and it was shut down uh, in, in Congress in 1887. So they kind of pivoted a little bit towards focusing on states, getting states to allow women to, uh, to vote. And in the late 1800s, the 1890s and stuff, they actually they got Idaho, Utah, Wyoming, Colorado to grant women the right to vote uh, in those states. And this continued with more states, mostly states out west, uh, up until 1918. Uh, and in 19, which I think was kind of interesting. Uh, so my wife, uh, just as this is a side context, and this is probably just because I've been watching this show, but we were watching uh, uh, 1883, uh, the show about, it's the, the precursor to Yellowstone when the Dutton yep. family goes out west. And you think about all these women who had to go out west. I mean, that's a, and in the, in the 1800s, I mean, these are tough, these are tough women, you know, that they, they're out there. And it's, I think it's interesting that those were the states that first granted the women right to, the rights to vote, like Colorado, Utah, Idaho. Those are all pioneer states, man. All the people, all the people that are out there are all pioneers. And uh, those were some of the first ones to grant women the right to vote. So I think yeah. that's, that's kind of cool. Well, it's interesting too. It's some they of those states view. where they have a different view of women, I think, because of how yeah. they labored alongside each other. You know. Yeah, yeah. What were you going to say? For sure. Well, I was just going to say, in even some of those states that uh, in early, um, early days of of kind of that westward expansion and everything else, um, some of those states were known for polygamy mm-hmm. at that time period. And you would think that um, that that uh, or some would think that in that type of situation you just have mass oppression of women. Well, but they were one of the some of the first states to introduce uh, the right for women to vote. Yeah, um, which is kind of what you would think would be opposed to to uh, some of the 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 cultural feelings or at least what people felt that it, the cultural feelings were like at the time. Yeah. Uh so in, in 1918 President Wilson said uh, this is the time to support women's suffrage. He said that women had proved vital roles in World War 1 and their vote should be count, con- counted in order to make the world safe for democracy. So in 1919 uh, the Federal Women's Suffrage Movement written which was the document written by Susan B. Anthony uh, back in that same document that she had proposed in 1878. In 1919, that one was proposed and passed in Congress, and it was ratified in 1920 as the amendment, as the 19th Amendment. 19th Amendment. So the, it, this is what it says. It says, the right, of the, ciz- the right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States of, or by any state on account of sex. Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. So awesome. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, So the next one is the, uh, the 20th amendment determined the beginning and the end of presidential and congressional terms. So this was pretty basic. Um, uh, It says that the terms of the president and vice president shall end at noon on the 20th day of January and the terms of senators and representatives at noon on the third day of January. And so it is, I mean, it's pretty specific. specific. It's just setting the, the terms for presidents and uh, congressional sessions. So um, another thing it says is uh, 
Congress shall assemble at least once every year in such meeting shall begin at noon on the third day of January. So it's just kind of mm. interesting that it kind of specifies the specific terms. Um, and so this one, I mean, there's not a whole lot uh, much other than that to it, but it's at the beginning and the end of, of these terms like we talked about. And it also lays out the order of presidential succession um, and kind of explains um, a little bit of how that happened, but that order was actually altered later by the 25th Amendment, um, which kind of changed what was done here in the, the 20th Amendment. Hmm. Um, but one thing that was, it was interesting is that in 1937, Franklin D. Roosevelt was the first president to be inaugurated in January, um, which was set out by this, this amendment instead of March or April, which is when George Washington uh, had been inaugurated. So it's kind of weird that, you know, why would you wait until April? Like it's almost like in, into the first quarter, almost the second quarter before you even uh, uh, would do a, a presidential uh, term then. But hmm. so that one's just kind of pretty, pretty basic, pretty straightforward, but interesting. Okay. So the next one here is the 21st Amendment. This is the re- repeal of prohibition. So this is mm. the only this is the only amendment to void out another amendment uh, outrightly. Uh, uh, e- easy way to think about it is e- easy way to remember these two is that the the drinking ages in America are they used to be eighteen and now it's twenty one. Oh, uh, just like the Eighteenth Amendment was prohibition and the the re- the repeal of prohibition was the Twenty First Amendment. So that's an easy way so to th- remember it. So this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to get it. Uh, some people in the United States are trying to get another amendment added to the Bill of Rights that would repeal the Second Amendment is what some people are trying to oh, do. Oh, okay, just like the 21st Amendment repeals the uh, 18th yeah. Amendment. Yeah. Yeah. So this is so like you said earlier crime rates went up rather than down because the sale of alcohol became an underground uh non-taxable uh situation. Uh, Enterprise, yeah, think Great Gatsby here, uh, or Al Capone, uh, all these gangsters who made the tons of money off of uh, bootlegging and speakeasies, uh, and it did not have the intended effect of temperance and uh, putting away evil things. Just because you take or just because you make something illegal, doesn't mean people are aren't going to do it. You're just going to get people running that shine. <laughs> Making and making and distributing the feral wine. I guess so. Uh, I I think I like this aspect because the libertarian in me is kind of just like let people do what they want. Um, you know, you can't will be overarchingly restrictive to people. You you can't just make rules. People need to choose to do good things on their own. Like I choose not to drink. I don't drink. Yeah. So the fact that it's legal or illegal doesn't make any difference to me. Uh, but as a government, like telling people what they can and can't do. Uh, that's, that's tricky. Um, it, it, when it comes to certain things, uh, when it comes to like not killing people, obviously I, I disagree with that or not killing, uh, the unborn. I disagree with that too. So that's a whole different thing. Um, let's see. So, uh, interestingly though, there's different parts here. Uh, so the ways that you amend the constitution, this is outlined in, the ways that you amend 
the Constitution through amendments, uh, is outlined in the Constitution in Article uh, 5, I believe it is. And it's you need a two-thirds of both houses or three-fourths of all states uh, to pass it. But also, it could be three-fourths of all state conventions uh, to pass it. Now, the conventions are not done by legislatures. Those are done by the people. The people vote in the state conventions in, in many different states. So what happened is they brought this one to the state conventions where the people are actually voting and not the legislatures. And uh, it was voted uh, by a two-thirds, or excuse me, a three-fourths of all the states. Utah was one of the last states to vote to ratify the amendment. I thought that was interesting because Utah is, you know, very uh, against a dry alcohol. State. Yeah. Uh, South Carolina was the only state to vote no. North Carolina rejected holding a convention to even consider it. And then the other ones didn't even have to do anything because by that point it had already passed. Hmm. I thought that was interesting. That South Carolina was the only one that said no. Uh, so so they, said, they said no. To they voted no to not ratify it. To not pass it as an amendment. So the cause, so they wanted to keep the prohibition. They wanted to keep prohibition. They did not want this amendment to be in. Uh, so the, the section one, it says the 18th article of the amendment to the Constitution of the United States is hereby repealed. Uh, the second section says the transportation or importation of, into any state, territory, or possession of the United States for delivery or use therein of intoxicating liquors in violation of the laws thereof is hereby prohibited. So just saying, basically giving the control over to the states. That's why alcohol is such, uh, the states control so much. In fact, in Mississippi, all the way to 1966, alcohol was illegal. Uh, in hmm. Kansas, there were no public bars until 1970, 1987. Uh, in Utah, they have very strict alcohol laws with the percentage of alcohol in different drinks. There are certain they have very weird nuanced rules about like you have to have a curtain between the bar and the rest of the restaurant. In my opinion, it's kind of obnoxious, you know, going there and in grocery stores, you have to have different separate areas. It's a, it's almost like even seeing alcohol is just going to make people just wildly insane, sinful type of thing. And I don't know. It, it's kind of ridiculous, but um, the, 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 they basically put the, power back into the hands of the states and some of the states are, are very restrictive in that it also lays out the timeline section three in this article lays out the timeline for implementation it says this article shall be inoperative uh, unless it shall have been ratified as an amendment to the constitution by convention in several states as provided in the constitution within seven years from the date of the submission whereof to the state by the congress so it, it was passed so Hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, that's that one. The repeal of prohibition. 21st amendment. Yep. So the 22nd amendment is, uh, it limits pre presidential terms to two terms. Um, and I mean, the first sentence in section one says no person shall be elected to the office of the president more than twice, uh, which is pretty straightforward. Um, so it limits presidential terms to two. This was done. It was kind of interesting because it was done mostly because, you know, the question was, well, why two? 
Well, because George Washington actually decided to retire after two terms, Mm -hmm. and he kind of set a precedence for the next 150 years of presidents in the United States. Um, And then finally, the the 22nd Amendment was passed out of fear of having a tyrannical president in government that would uh, gain too much power. Uh, so So it put into place the limits uh, to presidential number of presidential terms. Uh, prior to the passage of, of this specific amendment, Franklin D. Roosevelt had been elected to four terms as president, serving as president from 1933 until his death in 1945. So I didn't know that. He, had, he served four terms uh, before the 22nd Amendment Which was, president was, was that ratified. Uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt. He is smart as wit, man. Yeah. He's fascinating to research. So, um, yeah, that that's the twenty second. Cool. Pretty pretty interesting, but pretty simple. So the twenty third amendment is pretty basic. Uh, it has to do with the D.C. or the District of Columbia. If you don't know what D.C. Washington D.C. stands for, uh, so the uh, the actual amendment. You know, I don't know if I need to really read it, but essentially, Washington D.C. gets. Uh, representation in this amendment. So in Article 1, Section 8, the feds have power to run the capital city. Uh, and the people of the city really had no voice uh, in government at the time. So like, what was the whole thing against the Britain, the Brits? Uh, no taxation without representation. So they, the people who live in D.C. don't have representation. So this was proposed to uh, give those people some representation. Now, most of the South did not want uh, to ratify this uh, because it gave three electoral votes to the District of Columbia. Uh, And they didn't necessarily want that because that city is very progressive. And it's, I mean, the District of Columbia has been, um, you know, very liberal, uh, even in in recent elections. I mean, every single year it's gone, uh, it's gone to the Democrats. Uh, And so, a lot of the southern states at the time voted against that. And uh, so it gave them three electoral votes, which obviously eventually passed. Uh, and one thing, interesting thing is they, the District of Columbia does not get a House member and, and senators. They do not have any senators or House members uh, from, that, from that district. So that is an interesting piece. All right, so that was the 23rd Amendment. The 24th Amendment actually goes back to talking a little bit about uh, voting, which is what you had talked about earlier, one of one of the earlier ones. So the 24th Amendment abolishes poll taxes, which had previously been required to vote in elections. And so I had to look up, like, what, what what's a poll tax? And so basically what they had to do is people, when you came to vote at the polls— you had to pay money in order to be able to vote. Um, so it says the the rights of citizens of the United States to vote for a president or vice president, for um, Senate or representatives of Congress shall not be denied by reason of failure to pay any poll tax or other tax. Um so I thought this one was kind of interesting. Uh, when the U.S. Constitution was was first ratified, 
most of the states allowed only property owners to vote. Uh, and so you, the only way you could vote is that you owned property. But Which is how it was t- done in like England, right? You had to be a landlord or a lord to yep. basically vote. And then your yeah. subjects would be under that. But uh, but as time went on, I mean, many people didn't ha- – not everyone owned property. And so it kind of moved from only allowing people with property to vote. It, it, states moved to having poll taxes. Um, and at first, it expanded the right to vote to more people because not only property owners could um, could vote anymore. Now anyone that could afford a poll tax could vote. Uh, but still, uh, that's that. There's a lot of people that couldn't afford a poll tax, and so uh, poll taxes were actually it was. It, interestingly enough. Poll taxes were brought back in a way to potentially prevent Black uh, Americans from voting until the the Voting Ra- Voting Rights Act of 1965 yeah. was enacted, which kind of skirted around some of those rules again um now this specific law was put uh the amendment was ratified in january 23rd of 1964 um so i didn't know that that poll taxes even existed i mean i i guess i had heard it and had learned it but um looking into it further and and, and you know i i wouldn't want to have to go pay money to vote um, you yeah. know, I, I can only imagine somebody who doesn't have enough money to pay for their kids to eat, going to paying money to vote is the last thing on their mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It like really is one of those like tricks kind of thing to, to weed out those people who maybe are perceived as less educated because they have less money or something like that. Yeah. They're that they didn't want to vote. Yeah. Um, which is kind of tricky and terrible at the same time. Well, that, that Voting Rights Act of 1965 was hugely impactful in, in wiping mm-hmm. out a lot of this stuff. Like I talked about that earlier with all these grandfather clauses and stuff like that that people were trying to employ. Yeah, yeah. So the 20th—do oh, you have anything else? No, I was gonna, that's the 25th Amendment, or 24th Amendment, so excuse the, me. So the 25th Amendment has to do with presidential vacancy and disability or inability to continue as president. Now, this is one you kind of talked about a little bit earlier— uh, this one explains like who would replace people in different scenarios. So the first one explains who would replace the president. So it says in case the section, it says section one, in case of removal of the president from office or his death or resignation, the vice president shall become president. Uh, So Kamala Harris is banking on that. Uh, The next one, it says explains who would replace a vice president. So whenever there is a vacancy in the office of vice president, the president shall nominate a vice president who shall take office upon confirming confirmation by a majority vote of both the house and of both houses of Congress. So they'd have to be approved by both houses of Congress. Now, the next part is that the president can transfer power and resume office when he's ready. Uh, So President George Bush actually trans had a surgery and he transitioned the, the power to Dick Cheney. And then he got it back when he was uh, when he was out of surgery. So this it says section three. Whenever the president transmits the to the pres trans uh, see, let me start over. Whenever the president transmits to the president pro tempore of the Senate 
and the Speaker of the House of Representatives his written declaration that he is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office, and until he transmits to them a written declaration to the contrary, such powers and duties shall be discharged by the Vice President as Acting President. So, uh, that's what happens. Uh, now, the President uh, can challenge the claims uh like if he gives this up and then they say okay uh the vice president takes over then he can come back and say i'm healthy again he can challenge uh this claims and it and there must if there's a majority vote uh then they can accept or or deny that claim uh there is a section four uh that talks about more about how the president might be able to challenge that claim uh, and what happens when you transition power like that, uh, and and if you know the House and Senate vote to see if the president is eligible, like if he has the ability to continue as president. So this has actually been one of the amendments that people are actually talking about now because Joe Biden is out in cognitive decline. He has serious cognitive decline. I mean, just listen to you listen to you go listen to him twenty years ago or even ten years ago. He's sharp. He was sharp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you listen to him now, and he's he can't even hardly read a teleprompter. And he reads the stuff he's not supposed to say on the teleprompter. So he's definitely going downhill. But uh, I just pray that Kamala Harris does not step in because she's 10 times worse. And she doesn't have to cognitive decline. She's <laughs> <laughs> born with cognitive decline. <laughs> Something. So anyway, that's the 25th Amendment. Uh, the 26th Amendment. And that, Pretty well, simple. Well, well, that was in 1967, by the way, that that was. Okay. So the 26th one allowed 18 year old U.S. citizens to vote. Uh, before this, the American voting age was 21. So in Section one, pretty simple, it says the right of citizens of the United States who are 18 years of age or older to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of age. So this lowered the, the voting age from 21 to 18. Um, interestingly enough, this was, um, there were, during the Vietnam War, men were being drafted at the age of 18 to go to Vietnam, yet they didn't even have the right to vote yet because they weren't 21. Mm. And so Congress actually passed the Voting Rights Act, which lowered the uh, the age to be able to to vote. Um, and it was actually they they had to make an amendment for it within the 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 Constitution or the Bill of Rights um, because Congress couldn't require any state or local government to lower the voting age. And so the 26th Amendment was ratified in order to make it a nationwide requirement that the voting age was 18 across the board. That's interesting because, yeah, because you think about the prohibition, they said, well, I guess in the the 21st Amendment, they actually did say the states have that power. So that's a little bit different. Yeah, Uh, so that was 26th. But, with the other, like the Fifteenth Amendment, that said that uh, African Americans can vote now, that wasn't necessarily <laughs> adhered to. 
guess there's less politics around giving 18 year olds the right to vote than there is, uh, you know, allowing (laughs) someone to vote. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So let's see. That was the 26th, right? Yep. So the 27th Amendment, which is the last amendment, uh, the most recent one in 1992, uh, this was a this has to do with congressional compensation. And it says no law varying the compensation of the of the services of the senators and representatives shall take effect until an election of representatives shall have intervened. So uh, they have to basically have um, they they can't just do it like off season or or in secret uh, and it has to do with their compensation. So the twenty seventh amendment is intended to prevent members of Congress from granting themselves pay raises during the course of the session. Uh, this is refinement of Article 1, Section 6 within the Constitution, a provision granting Congress the authority to establish compensation for its members. So th- this is actually nicknamed the Madison Amendment because James Madison introduced the idea to the first Congress meeting in New York City in 1789. Congress passed the uh, proposed amendment, but the necessary two-thirds vote uh, but three-fourths of the states did not ratify the measure uh, until 1992. Over the years, various states approved the proposals, but new states had joined the union, uh, keeping the ratification uh, standard basically out of reach. Uh, So public displeasure with congressional pay raises in the 80s sparked a a revival interest in this measure. In 1992, Michigan became the 38th state to ratify, uh, pushing support past the three-fourths requirement. Interesting. So, so then, how does that work with you know one of these um, one of these COVID related bills that they passed a while ago uh, that had I guess that that Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer had put through these Democrats that they as we were starting to see the ramp up of this massive inflation that we're seeing right now they just decided to give themselves a twenty percent raise and then. And then the, I mean, maybe it was maybe it was at the beginning of the the term or whatever they call it, but they're just standing up there and they just gave themselves a twenty percent raise, and then they'll say, "Oh, you know, we feel inflation with you. Well, These it, gas prices are so high, we feel it too." It's like, yeah, but every year you give yourself a twenty percent raise. Well, it doesn't say that they can't get raises. It just says no law that increases the compensation of senators or rep- senators and representatives shall take effect until an election of representatives shall have intervened. So hmm. after the yes. election, yeah, they can raise their, they can do whatever they, can they, do want. Whatever they want. So it's just as, as long as it gives the people a chance to be like, whoa, no, let's not do this. You know? Interesting. Nancy yeah. Pelosi doesn't need money from Senator dude. Her husband's making so much money with the stock market and all the insider yeah. trading she's doing. Yeah, seriously. So I had a, uh, I had an interesting, um, kind of fun bit. So there was originally 14 handwritten copies of the Bill of Rights. Now there are only 12 today that are known to still be in existence. Um, During the Civil War, a Union infantryman, so a Union soldier, stole North Carolina's copy of the Bill of Rights from the state archives in Raleigh. And he took this back to Ohio with him as a souvenir. Uh, He ended up actually selling it the next year for $5, which was a lot back then, probably. Um, After 
uh, after that, it disappeared for years and years and years. Well, finally, in 2005, it resurfaced again when an antique collector attempted to sell it at uh, to sell it to the National Constitutional Center. The FBI agents actually went in and seized the document. Oh gosh! And in 2007, it was finally returned to its home state. No way. Yeah. How much you want to bet it was a fake? <laughs> well, I'm sure they. I'm sure they authenticated it because they, you know, went through it and and the FBI seized it and they brought it back to North Carolina. That's crazy. But I thought that was just a kind of a fun fact. Yeah. So well, I was going to talk about so. The the 27th uh, Amendment is the last amendment, uh, the, the last one. So I was going to talk about martial law. So martial law l- means that the military has assumed control of law enforcement and keeping order over civilian populations in lieu of local government and police. So martial law is declared by the president. What is enforced here uh, is... When it's enforced, you you lose several rights. So first of all, you lose the right of habeas corpus. That will be suspended, which is uh, the right requiring a person under arrest to be brought before a judge or into a courtroom uh, if they feel they've been unlawfully detained. So U.S. citizens, US citizens may be detained with no explanation for why and no recourse through a typical court of law in opposition to it. Uh, other amendments that will likely be, that will be paused under martial law or the First Amendment, we talk about freedom of speech, uh, assembly and press, no public gatherings, curfews are often put into place. The Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, in many cases, uh, you know, they will come and, and confiscate uh, your weapons because you, that you know, either to redistribute them or they just don't want you having them. Uh, the third one is that the freedom freedom from housing soldiers. That's the third amendment. We talked about that, the quartering of soldiers. The fourth amendment, the protection from, which is the protection from unreasonable searches and seizures. And the fifth amendment, which protection to life, liberty, property. I think that was one member I mentioned that it was like the 10 commandments where like mm-hmm. they just, they couldn't like rob you of everything. Uh, uh, it says in the fifth amendment, nor be deprived of life, liberty or property without due process of law nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. So that will be suspended. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they can do quite a few things. So that's kind of scary. I think that's why a lot of people are, are afraid of martial law because so many of your critical, critical uh, rights are paused, suspended, suspended yeah. there. So that that's a kind of a scary thing. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, I I never quite understood exactly um, how martial law worked. Is it the president that enacts martial law? That's what I've read, but I'm thinking about it. I think that also like a governor can do that, like the governor of a state. Yeah. Uh, no, like I think state of emergencies uh, will likely precede martial law. Like a state of emergency is not quite – the suspension, it's not quite as far as martial law, but there can often be curfews and stuff like that with the state of emergency. Um, martial law is kind of one step further. Ex- extreme. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, in some cases, any... they have done okay. martial law. Like, remember when they were doing some of these riots and these riots were going on? They're like black vans driving around just like picking up random people. They're, like Unmarked white vans with like 
the military inside. They were just going around picking up people. Uh, yeah. They were protesting on the street, and like it was like a secretive martial law, essentially, for no reason. They would just come pick you up, and then they would take you and and dump you somewhere, you know? Yeah, it, it, interesting. I, I was just looking up um, some examples um, of martial when martial law has been enacted in the United States. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I can't really find Very any few that times. Are Probably too... Katrina maybe is one of them, but that's more of a state of emergency. Yeah. Um, when Katrina happened uh, in, in Louisiana, that was yeah, Hurricane Katrina. So, um, interesting. Maybe maybe we'll do a episode all about martial law and yeah. uh, some of the the times in U.S. history that martial law has. From what has I, been enacted. From what I read, it very, very few times. Uh, so that's good. Hopefully, we can keep it like that. That way, we can keep our rights yeah. intact. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, well, this has been a a great enlightening episode up to go through all these. Hopefully, uh, you guys can run through these and get a refresher on all of your, well, not all, some of your rights as Americans, because we, as we've discussed, many of uh, how the the government is put together is in the Constitution. There's things in the Declaration of Independence. You know, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, and also there's other documents and rights out there like the the Voting Rights Act uh, of 1965 yep. that isn't in any of these, but that has major uh, rights that involve uh, every single one of us. And so... Uh, yeah. But just, because is, it's, just because it's not on this list doesn't mean it's not a right. Yeah. This is not a conclusive list. This is probably an overarching suggestion or guideline <laughs> for some uh so, some good potential places to start but just you know this this tells you everything that that uh that you you can do and that you have the rights to do um which you know i think within the united well i know within the united states we enjoy uh some of the the, the most freedoms out of the entire world um and i i i hope that other countries um well First off, I hope that we can continue to be an example to the world on freedoms and uh, uh, just oh, basically providing rights to citizens. And uh, number two, that uh, other countries that are maybe, you know, killing people for talking bad about the government can kind of wake up and maybe change, treat yeah. people a little bit better. Agreed. I'm, 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 I'm proud of the American experiment, which has been going on these many many years and proud to be an American and hopefully you guys have a great 4th of July week and you're also proud to be Americans or if you're not American you can at least be a, you can at least appreciate a lot of the great uh, freedoms that uh, that we enjoy and, and hopefully you can also enjoy these in your own country because I know we do have some uh, some global listeners here that aren't just uh, Americans so thanks all let's uh, let's build that creed together all right let's do it